Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Whew, it was so good to, to sing that song again. Thank you, band, so much for leading us in that. Uh, I don't know if you were with us when we first launched in February. Uh, we did shortly after a series over uh, the book of Daniel and traveled. It was like eight weeks, uh, nine weeks maybe, traveled all the way to Easter with it. And then we wrote that song as a church uh, to sort of just categorize all of Daniel. Uh, this, the moment that we started speaking, Daniel says, uh, the moment that we prayed, the moment that we broke down on our knees, a word went out and you already, you already spoke the decree, the, the victory. And I needed to, to hear that this morning. Remember it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel stuck in the weakness, stuck in the in-between, which is really powerful that we're talking about. We're starting something brand new this morning that I'm so honored that you would join us in. Uh, we're starting a new series and it's called The Wait the wait, um, all about waiting. For those who may be here for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, uh, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. And uh, my hope is that in your short time or long time that you've been with us, uh, that you feel that this is a family. That's how we want to lead. We want to lead it just like we lead our home. We have four crazy kids. If you know anything about our family, it is loud uh, until about 7.30 p.m. when we've conditioned them to sleep. Um, and so, uh, but our house is loud, and so we treat this church like a family. And so my hope is that you you feel uh, week in and week out that you have a place here, that you have a, a place here. If you're watching Glory Family, we had like eight couples going in various uh, states this weekend for uh, for weddings. And so those of you who are watching online, they're like, we'll be out of town this weekend, but we'll be watching. Thank you so much for watching us on Facebook. Um, but I am honored and excited for this morning. Uh, we are starting a five-week series over the in-between, those seasons of waiting. You know, the times when uh, life just feels draining, dragging on every day by day by day is just full of things that um, are not as you wish they, them to be, or maybe in your mind what they should be. Ever feel like that? Like every single day, it's this ongoing busyness of what you wish wasn't there, and you're just waiting for something else. I think hands down, all of us can be connected, young and old, to this idea of waiting. We've all been there, waiting for something, waiting for something. And uh, often, I feel like there's like seven things that I'm waiting for in my life. It's never just one, right? And then one, once one ends, it's like another thing that I'm waiting for begins. And so this whole season, I, I feel like it's going to be very timely for where we're at. Because maybe you're not waiting on what I'm waiting on, but you are probably waiting on something. And so the question that we'll be getting to is going to be a powerful one, but this season, it, it's the moment that you start feeling like it's not yet. All of that time and, and arising within you are these desires, these longings, these hopes, these uh, I wish it would be so, and yet it's not there. Maybe you're anticipating the relief that will come with vacation, but it's not yet there. Or the relief that will come upon graduation, but it's not yet there. The relief that's going to come when you get that new job, but it's not yet there. Or the relief that's going to come when all your kids are like able to sleep in, but it's just not yet there. And so we're just stuck in a waiting period a lot in life, and I am so excited to dive in. Uh, I don't know about you, but these feelings are, are all upon us a lot. And the beautiful thing about it is that this is going to be asking God, if you'll bear with us for five weeks, we're going to be asking God, okay, God, 
what do we do? Like, how do we do this? How do we wait on you? If you're a believer in the room, how do I still like declare God's greatness, his, 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 um, his goodness while I'm waiting? Another way we could say it is, how do I keep being confident that this faith is worth it while I'm waiting for God to show me again and again that it's worth it? Because sometimes we feel that way. I'm like, God, I'm praying for you to answer and it's still in the in-between. How do I, you know, be kind to people? I feel like I'm the nastiest person when I am waiting for something. So God, how do I, you know, be kind of my wife when I'm waiting? That's what we're going to be talking about. How, how do I handle and see you even though everything is just completely confusing? How do I act as if things are good when uh, it's not yet? And so these are the questions we'll be getting into. And my hope is that you already see that this series is going to be good. It's going to be very timely. Another way that we can say it, and I have a slide for you, is this. What do you do when it feels like there's nothing to do but wait? What do you do when there's nothing to do but wait? Do we just twiddle our thumbs? Do we just uh, sit? Do we just wait? Do we act like it's not there? Do we keep going? Do we stop everything? Do we, what do you do when it feels like all that you can do is wait? Do you uh, deny the concerns that you have or push down and silence the doubt? What do you do? Do you act like uh, it's going to be better like sooner than you think it will be? (laughs) Well, we have all of these go-to responses, but I'm going to be diving into scripture the Old and New Testament during this series, and really asking, like, God, historically, like, throughout your your time, you work in seasons of waiting. So how do we lean in on that? How do we learn from that? And I am pretty excited. Uh, We are going to be diving into a metaphor, an ongoing one, uh, throughout this whole five five weeks. Um, And we're going to open it up to it this morning, but you're going to see this metaphor in this beautiful jar probably every week. All right? Um, This is a jar of dirt. I know some of you, all you can see are my fingerprints. When I got up here, I was like, darn, I should have cleaned this. Um, (laughs) The light just shines all the fingerprints, but this is dirt. Um, But this beautiful metaphor is shown very quickly in James 5. So we're going to open up to James 5. It's really quick, but it's very powerful. So look into it. Uh, At verse 7, James writes this, the brother of Jesus writes this, Be patient, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. Uh, The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. So you also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Now we'll pause there. Did you catch that metaphor, that really quick metaphor? It's as if James is saying, as the farmer waits, we must wait. As the farmer waits, we must wait. Now, seeing as we're in a very urban area, I can be confident in saying that majority of you have no idea uh, anything about agriculture right? Like maybe you grew up in a farm, cool, but the majority of us probably haven't. Maybe you have a green thumb and you like flowers, uh, but the majority of us in our context, we have no knowledge of farming. None at all. But I think we can all agree, uh, from old to young, we can all agree that everything about modern farming has nothing to do with how they did it back in the day, right? I mean, we have cool things like hoses now, irrigation pumps, tractors. My dad drives a backhoe. Uh, we have things like that, like little tools to hook onto the tractor that make it really easy. They, they you know, till up the dirt. And, and back then, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the first century, people had people and people and their handmade tools and their oxen and their other oxen. Like that was it. Like any, anything that we know about farming, the very little, it's all modern, most of us. But for them, they knew only what they had. 
which was way less than us. And so as a farmer approached his things, he knew it was uh, very little of his control. In fact, water, the source of it, they didn't have hoses, irrigation pumps, the source of water came from rain. Or better yet, the rain provider, right? The rain provider. Uh, in fact, beautifully so, all throughout scripture, you see this connection between uh, the beauty of God and him providing rain. When, the, when uh, his people are uh, following him in obedience, living life uh, in his direction, the rain comes, the crops are beautiful and bountiful. But then there's times when they go to idolatry or other gods. And instantly the rain ceases, a drought comes, and all of their crops are gone. James says, be patient. And I say all of this because I do not think that we know the patience of a farmer. I don't think we know how to wait like a farmer does. And so therefore, when, when we get in waiting periods, I think we wait like modern people, which is a lot more um, work attached to it and a lot more freaking out attached to it and a lot more control attached to it than a farmer would wait. Because a farmer, it's a lot more beautiful than we think. Unlike modern farming, water was out of their control. And I think we need to start realizing the weight resides way out of our control. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this. Uh, you'll see this over and over throughout the series. Our world teaches us to handle. But the weight is all about handing over. Our world teaches us to handle things, to control. When, when it feels um, like it's out of your control, grab a hold of more things. When it feels like you, you, you're just uh, wading in the, in the deep, you got to start swimming. You got to do something. You have to handle, you have to handle, you have to handle it. What, but waiting is all about handing over. In fact, a farmer had to hand over a lot. Think about it very practically, this beautiful picture, every planting season, a farmer had to take his or her or their family, their seeds, something very tangible. They could see it, they could hold it, they could grasp it, they could know it, they could understand it, they could control it. They could, they could bag it up, they could place it on the counter, they, they had it in their, their grasp. And every season they had to take what was very known and plant it deep in the unknown. Think about that. Cover it up and then wait for the only one who would take care of it now. They didn't have a hose to take care of it now. They didn't have irrigation pumps to take care of it now. They put it in the deep unseen and then had to rely on some rain provider to provide for it. And yet they believed, beloved, you must be patient like the farmer. Be patient like the farmer. This act literally signified him taking everything that he could grasp and handing it to a God who could grasp the intangible, who could take hold of and control the intangible. Now, our season of waiting may be different, completely different. I mean, you're different than me. But one thing I know to be true is every season of waiting involves a seed that is planted. Think about it. Some of you are waiting. I wrote some, some differences. Some of you are waiting for, for answers. You've been praying for a while for an answer, for an answer. You're for an answer. You've planted that in there in the unknown, yet you have received constant silence right now. You're in a waiting. Some of you, others ha have been uh, praying in faith or this idea of, of God, you've given me a calling, so I wanna, I wanna work it out. Or God, I have this dream or a goal or a desire or a plan, and you're still waiting, anticipating God to do something with it, but you planted it, right? Others of you, you feel stuck. You feel stuck in your life, you're waiting for the new job, you're waiting for that new thing, you're waiting for a new purpose, new energy, new hope, you're, you're there. But each of us had planted something. 
Some of you, you're waiting for that call from a doctor, the diagnosis. You're, you're fearful of the worst, but you're hoping for the best. Some of you, you're waiting for the baby to be born. Or you're waiting for graduation day. Every single one, we, we don't realize this, but you take something so tangible, that thought, that idea, that concern, that care, that, that desire, something that you can grasp, and then you plant it in the unseen, all-knowing, beautiful, glorious, gracious hand of the Father. You cover it up. It's out of your attention now. It's not in your hands anymore. And this is where the problem arises, right here in the weight. It's underneath the ground and we can't see it. It's in that in between. We've spoke it to be. We've prayed it. We're hoping, yet it's not seen. We're in the weight. And this is where all the problems arise. I mean, we could say, will this seed grow? Did I plant it in the right soil? Did I do it at the right time? We start freaking out, right? Anyone else like overthink things? Did I bury it further down? Is this going to happen? Is this going to be worth it? Is this going to change everything for the better? Is this going to change everything for the worse? Is this going to ruin things? Is it going to provide for me like I hope for? Is this, gonna, is this right? Was this the right thing? Was this the right thing to plant? And in the dirt, we start freaking out. You will start noticing that there is a stages of the weight, and for the first week, it is here underneath the surface, in the ground, and this is where a farmer sits for a while. Will the seed grow? But James writes, beloved, the farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. So you also must be patient. The early and the late rains. You see, before the harvest every year, there would be two most important rains of the season. You didn't know when you would come to church this morning that you would get an agriculture lesson, did you? We're all going to be golden farmers at the end of this. Um, but the, the early and late rains, the early rain would come directly after the planting season. So you would plant it, you would, you would uh, cover it up, obviously, it's in the unknown, in the unseen, and now you would wait in anticipation for the early rains. And the early rain, think about it, would soften the soil, the early rain would wetten the seed, it would get it soft enough to burst forth, and it would allow those roots to capture and take hold of as much dirt as possible. The early rains. Then the late rains would come once the, once the plant was already mature. The late rains would wetten the plants, uh, give it the, the needed boost, the needed energy, and it would produce, it would take the, the fruit and add a bountiful harvest. The late rains were the beautiful thing that would make good fruit great fruit. The late rains would allow a plant the needed boost to produce beautiful fruit corn, whatever you want to say it. It happened because these early and late rains, and we often miss the, the long stretch of time that resides in between those two rains. We look at this, we see this, but in between this verse, James is saying a whole lot. In between the verse, that, that farmer doesn't just wait for the blessing to come, but did you realize that waiting for your prayer to be answered is also waiting for all of those small, small things in between? The early rains, the late rains, waiting for God to work and act. You didn't realize all of the waiting, a part of it, but it's often in this in-between that we struggle. So for some of you, the late rain has happened. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, you prayed the prayer, you, you, you started that direction, 
You were like, I'm doing this in faith. I, I, I've prayed this, God. I believe that you can do something, so I'm going to start praying this big prayer, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move in this direction. I know it's the right thing, and you're so excited. Have you ever been there? You're excited because you planted that thought, that dream, and you made it in, in a reality, and you're handing it over. There's excitement, excitement that comes to that, right? You're like giddy, and you're ready. You're like, that was the right thing to do. But then days pass. Weeks pass. Think practically what a farmer could do. God, I know you poured out the, the early rains, but was it enough? Can I trust you with it? I know you poured out the early rains, but I don't know about you. As days pass, the sun beats over the ground, and what happens? The topsoil starts drying out. It starts cracking. How easy it could be for a farmer in between the rains to believe now that no, nothing good is happening underneath because all the situations exterior to it look bad, right? Have you ever been there where, where it looks dry on the outside? And so a farmer could very quickly say, but was that enough, God? Some of you, we struggle in the weight because everything external is pretty hot. Like the heat of a sun that looks like it's drying up the ground. God, nothing good can come from this. God, this season, I, I realize I'm waiting, but God, it's too hard. There are too many things happening external to me, and it's just not going to happen. Why? Why did you tell me to do this, God? Why is this happening? Why isn't it like you, I thought it would be? These are bad conditions for growth to happen. And God knows, I know, that's why no growth is happening up here. But there might be growth happening down here. These are bad conditions for growth to be happening. Oh, you of little faith, be patient like the farmer. Be patient like the farmer. Some of you have been dry. On the outer side of your life, you feel cracks, you feel apathetic, you, you wonder, was that real? Is God real? Was I stupid? Was that the wrong direction? I thought it was the right direction, but I guess maybe it's wrong because under the soil, it is. And nothing yet is up top. But every farmer knows, right? If you plant anything, you know that what is happening underneath here is of utmost importance. What is underneath here is of utmost importance. A farmer knows, like James writes, we have to cling to the fact, the belief that God is working in the unseen. We have to cling to the belief that God is working. A farmer knows beautifully that the time it is taking right now, that seed has bursted and underneath it, dozens of roots have grown. And what is happening is it is literally changing the landscape under the ground. Have you ever thought of that? It's literally changing the landscape of the underground. It's pushing things out of the way. It's making it, th those roots are, are touching dirt that has never been touched before. It's grabbing a hold of nutrients. Things are changing underneath. And there is life happening. Because a farmer knows that if anything's going to grow tall, it has to first grow deep. If anything's going to grow tall, it has to first grow deep. And there's a lot of dirt to be taken advantage of under the soil. And we have no idea that it's happening sometimes. And this is the hard part, because in America, we want to know everything. We want to have all the details. We won't do anything unless we know all the details. We won't go there unless we have all the details. But guess what? You have no idea what's happening, and you have to believe that it's happening. That's so hard, but beloved, you must be patient as a farmer waits for the precious crop. Being patient for the early rain and the late rain, you too must be patient. Strengthen your hearts. James says, strengthen your hearts. I often believe that I have to see something 
I, I, have to ha I have to see results in order to prove growth. But that's not truth. That's not truth. Yeah, results will come, but it's this unseen work that, that makes it strong, that makes it prepared. Think about it. If you were to find a plant, I need you to just be honest. If you were to find a plant that had little roots, what would you call it? We'd call it artificial, right? We'd call it plastic. We'd call it, oh, that's, that's, a, that's an expensive texture right there. But it's never going to be alive, and it's never going to yield fruit, right? What happens now is necessary for what will come later. What happens now is necessary. Uh, those who are experiencing this part of the wait, it's hard. One thing that I constantly have to preach to myself, maybe some of you need to write this down, you need to write it on a, uh, a card and stick it in your car, maybe you need to put it on your mirror, some of you need to remember this daily if you're here in the unseen. We gotta believe this is a truth of God, that where God is, God works. Where God is, God works. And at the end of the day, I have to just believe that where God is, God works. Because rationally, Greg, if God is everywhere, and I literally talk to myself, some people think I'm weird. Uh, my wife was, one time, I, I tell her that in order to handle with some things, I have like an out-of-body experience, which you can judge me. But it's literally like I have to like visibly act like I'm getting away from myself and I'm looking at things from a different direction and I can start seeing, all right, Greg is, Greg's here, but God isn't here. God's in him. And where God is, God is working. God is out here. Where God is, God is working. God is in my home. Where God is, God is working. God is in my city. And where God is, God is working. God is in our church. And where God is, God is working. God is in this, in this struggle. And where God is, God is working. And in the unseen, he is working beautiful things. The Lord is near. I may not fathom it, but I have to trust it. I believe in many ways our church is in this season right here. And I want to speak into it because as I speak into it, I hope you can start connecting. I believe in many ways God has given my wife and I, our family, a, a calling, a, a vision, a love of, of, of leading, of, of, of planting a church. And so literally in faith, we took some soil and planted in the hand of God. And I, I believe many times when God has spoken, uh, Throughout scripture, it talks about, some of you, Glory family, you know this, but throughout scripture, it talks about whoever had the water rights had the God's provision. Like, think about it. The, the rain provider would make their crops bigger, and then the town next to them maybe weren't followers of God, and they would realize they know the real God. Or many times, scripture says that the Israelites would be traveling, they were nomads, and they would dig, and they would find water. And then everyone surrounding them would be like, they must know the real God because they found water. They have the water rights. And so I remember very audibly God speaking, and it wasn't like, hey, hey Greg, um, but just I remember very honestly, God said, I, this church will be known in the city as having the water rights. And what the beautiful thing is that that is that, that water, come to me all you who are thirsty, and I will give you I will give you rest. Come to me, the, the living fountain, the water, uh, all who are hungry and thirsty, I will quench it. Jesus is the living water. We have the water rights. And I see a church one day, a harvest, where people come because they're like, I've never seen church like this, or I've been hurt from church, but this is life-giving. These people have water, and they're giving it out. This is strange. This isn't normal. People don't give us water here. People don't talk to us like that here. And so this has been a vision, and I believe it's going to happen, but we're here. 
And I sometimes believe that because nothing is happening in the great ways that I want it to be, that God isn't happening. But what he's doing is taking this seed and he's starting to push out immaturity in us, push out biasness in us. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dirt in us that has to get touched by seeds, by the, the root that comes from faith. Think about it this way. There, there is uh, the whole truth that this Sunday morning is not for you if you're a believer. This Sunday morning is for your neighbor. Like we can live together because we are one. But this Sunday morning gathering isn't the church. You are the church. So this Sunday morning gathering, though we get to worship God, it's for the person who's not yet here. It's for the one. And so that's a hard belief that's sowed in faith, but now it has to touch everything. It has to start grabbing. It has to reorchestrate the inner work of this church, the dirt, the soil, which will strengthen it because it will then support the growth happening. Does this make sense? There's some things in your life God hasn't grown anything exterior because there's some immaturity or some biasness or some uh, doubts and, and worries that have to be touched, that have to uh, be, be lengthened and depth down from that little seed of faith and some roots need to grab a hold of it. And so there's beautiful ha things happening. Isaiah says it this way. This is a beautiful passage in Isaiah 40. Isaiah says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord the, is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or he does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. My understanding is very searchable. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm very fathomable. I, I cannot conceive, but he can. I cannot understand, but he's not going to grow faint. Over the heat of the day, I may grow faint, but he's not. Uh, as this topsoil dries, he's not going to grow faint. Long days, big concerns aren't anything to the creator of the ends of the earth. It's so beautiful. I, I wrote this down. I have to stop applying my limits to God's nature. I have to stop applying my limits to God's nature, as if my limitations are his limitations, as if my inability to see is his inability to do anything, as if my inability uh, to, to move forward is his inability to move at all. And I, I just got to stop because I think that hurts the weight in great ways. We start leaving the soil and going somewhere else, or we start thinking we have to plant more, and God's like, no, I got something going. It's just not yet seen. And so Isaiah continues, that God, he gives power to the faint, right? He strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will feel exhausted. But verse 31, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The ones who wait. I, you see, I often think that I will start soaring. We will start soaring as a church when those things start happening. When, when, the, when the powerful fruit of my life is happening, that's when I'll soar. Or you'll start running when you get that new job that you've been waiting for. Or when you graduate, that's when you'll start diving into a, a church. Or that's when you'll start serving your city. Or when you, when you do this, then. You remember how many times like even our parents used to say that? Well, we just can't right now until we get there. And we said that, like, things won't get good in our mind until. We won't soar until. But that's not what Isaiah is saying at all. He's saying that, that the weight, in the weight, there's the renewal. In the weight is the renewal. 
Those who wait on the Lord, their strength will be renewed. They will soar. Did you realize it's the waiting ones who are the soaring ones? Did you get that? The ones who are waiting are the ones who are soaring, not the ones who have their blessing, not the ones who are done in the harvest. It's the ones who are waiting. Those who wait on the Lord will soar. Those who wait on the Lord will run. Those who wait on the Lord will stand. This is a beautiful change that's happening right now in the unseen, but it's allowing us to change how we've seen things. Some of you need to realize you have the, the ability to soar when the situation out here is not good because what's happening in here is life-giving. You have the ability to run when the fears or insecurities want you to stop. You have the ability to stand when your impatience, and goodness, I am impatient, when your impatience wants you to, to go away or to be done with it. We are the ones who can stand. Now, hear me, I struggle. Like, hands down, I am impatient. As we end this morning, I am impatient. <laughs> That's one of my biggest vices. Anyone who knows me knows Greg is the most impatient person I've ever met in my life. But I have learned, I've had to learn that I need to lean into the silence, that I need to lean into the silence. I need to learn from the silence that when it feels like uh, everything else is silent, I need to stop manufacturing my own noise. Some of you do that. I need to stop manufacturing my answers. I need to stop manufacturing the water. I need to stop uh, manufacturing my answers, my, uh, my thoughts, my plan. No, we just need to embrace the silence. Lean into it. This season of waiting is all about embracing and reclaiming the silence. Embracing and reclaiming it. Because your prayer was valid. Can I just tell you, some of you, you do have a purpose. You do. Your goal is obtainable. That God-given de design that you, you prayed in faith, that big thing that you were so uh, like earnest for, it, it is real. That prayer was valid. But now we have to reclaim the silence. It is not, I wrote this down because I have to tell myself this all the time. The silence is not a time. It doesn't answer. It doesn't mean that I have to uh, go in and run. The silence doesn't give me a right to flee. The silence doesn't give me a right to grumble. Some of you knew you've been so, so grumbling over God because he's been silent. Silence does not give you the right to grumble. Silence gives you the right to wait. Silence does not give you the right to fear or flee. It gives you the right to wait and believe. And so some of you this morning as we end, things are surfacing in the silence. Have you ever wet ground? The early rains come, and those who are agriculturally minded, what starts happening? Big rocks come to the surface, right? That, that would hurt the life uh, of, of the plant if it stayed. Things surface in the silence. Things change in the silence. God picks out and prods and prunes our immaturities in the silence. So this morning, we're ending this stage of the wait. But there's some work that maybe you need to do of reclaiming. So I'm going to pray for us. And in my prayer, there's going to be some silence. And I want you to lean into it, all right? God, I pray that, that right now we can realize Forgive me for every single time that I have taken advantage of the silence and thought it was an opportunity for me to, uh, to just work and act and misunderstand things. God, forgive me for every time I was impatient and so angry and grumbling over what was not yet and missing the fact that you are doing a beautiful work with what I've already given you.
And it might not be seen, God, but I pray that we can rest assured that where you are, you are working. So right now, as we just sit, even 30 seconds of silence, I pray that you will start realizing in in each of our hearts, opening up the truth that there are some things that we need to uh, hand over. There are some things that need to be touched by faith. God, in the silence, things come up. That's why we don't like it. So right now, give us uncomfortability to hear you. Oh God, you are the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. You do not faint or grow weary. God, your understanding is unsearchable. You give power to the faint, and God, I am faint at times. God, you give strength to the powerless, and may I realize and recognize how little power I have. That even even the people all on this earth that, that appear strong, they faint every single day. They have to sleep, but you, God, you provide divine strength to those who wait on you. So God, no, I haven't experienced the harvest in some of these things. No, God, I haven't seen the fruit of this prayer, but God, right now I wait. I wait because in the waiting, I can soar. In the waiting, I can run. In the waiting, I can stand. So God, as a church, can we redefine this time? Silence is not a time for me to grumble or me to be angry or to point bitter fingers. Silence is a time for me to trust that you are planting and growing a foundation in my soul that will handle the growth, the next season, the harvest. I pray that you continue to teach us in the way that you are worthy of it all. So right now we praise and worship a God who works gloriously in the unseen. In your name, and for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.